This is the Worldly Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Holly. And I'm Luke. We invite guests on this podcast to explore themes of worldly wellbeing. And by listening today, you're joining the conversation. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Helen Bazue, who's going to talk to us a little bit about her passions and the kind of work that she's involved in. Helen is a self-described company of one for the project and work that she does under the name Creative Grace. And we'll hear a little bit more about that in the episode. So let's dive in. Let's go. I'm excited about this one. Well, I'm excited about all of them, about this one as well. (laughs) So hi, Helen. Hello, Luke. Hello, Holly. Lovely to be here with you. Hello. Thank you for joining us on this sunny Thursday in London. My pleasure. It's sunny here in East London too. Cold, but sunny. Yeah. So we've covered East London, North London, sunny. Yeah, we are, I was about to say, we are geographically representing London almost entirely. I'm southwest uh, and it's very sunny here. My feet are being warmed by the sun that's coming in through my balcony windows. So I am, I don't need my hot water bottle. It's great. That's a lovely visual. <laughs> it's a sentence that only an English person would say. My feet are being warmed by the sun. I don't need a hot water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're in my slippers. It's all good. And just Gosh, to say, here is my yellow hot water bottle. Oh, <laughs> yes. Love it. it is November in London. That's the first time I've seen someone's hot water bottle on a podcast, and I'm enjoying it. Um, Never be left without my hot water bottle. So, Helen, before we dive any further into the conversation, we'd love for you to introduce yourself to the Worldly Wellbeing listeners. Hello, listeners. So, yes, as Luke and Holly said, my name is Helen. I um, met Luke when I was doing um, some DNI training with him. So, that is one of my passions and one of my skills. So, DNI training. DNI writing. I am a writer by trade. I um, started off working um, on teen magazines, um, have edited some iconic titles, J17, More, 19, um, worked for a national newspaper, which I loved and loathed in equal measures. Actually, I probably loathed it a little bit more than I loved it because I felt that it was like sucking my soul. Um, left there and went to work for a small publishing company. Um, and um, there I was editor of IKEA's Global um, Magazine. Loved that a lot. Worked for a big advertising agency, helped them set up their DNI, um, left and then started on my own. And that is where um, I set up a little company called Creative Grace. I'm at the crossroads of figuring out exactly what it is I want to do, because there are very many things that I enjoy, kind of a few things that I'm skilled at. And I've spent this year sort of figuring out, right, if I am now never going to be employed by one person, what it is that I'm going to do. Amazing. Thanks, Helen. Uh, You've mentioned a phrase that I'm really familiar with, but perhaps other people might not be so familiar with, and that's DNI or DEI, depending on who you're talking to and in what context. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Absolutely. I'd love to unpack a bit about DNI. DNI is diversity and inclusion, sometimes known as inclusion and diversity, sometimes known as diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, and it's basically um, about creating systems and practices that mean that organisations and individuals think about creating safe, 
equal and equitable places for everyone, i.e. if you work somewhere, you can turn up to and you can be your true authentic self at work and not feel judged by it. So um, I got into it when I was at um, Publicis, which um, I'd worked for a very small um, company and we were in a, a, a lovely little office in Shoreditch and it was really great and we were all mates and we worked hard and then we were brought successful by a big network advertising agency called Publicis and, and it was a bit of a shock to the system because you, you go from a company where you've got four directors and two are women and two are men where um, there's a good mix of ages, there's a mix of people with different sexual identities, um, and you go and work for a big advertising agency where, despite the fact that there are loads more people, all of the management is male, most of the management is white, mm. they're all of a certain age, they're all of a certain demographic. Um, and, and the guy that was the CEO at the time um, used to do these town hall meetings, and he... Um, did one which um, he asked people to give suggestions and things to discuss and a comment was made in response to um, a question about um, it was something to do with um, I think maternity leave and comments were made that were just ridiculous I wasn't at the meeting but I heard about it afterwards and as a response they said right we need to sort of think about how we are operating in this space um, around equality and issues like that. So then they set up that um, their first diversity and inclusion group. Um, I ended up becoming chair of it. And yeah, that's where my passion has grown from. Mm. Um, we have a shared history, although not a, an overlapping history, but working for publicists. That was where I first started out in my um, short-lived but uh, very full-on uh, foray into advertising um, and very much enjoying uh, kind of still being connected into that space but not directly because of some of the things that you've just suggested uh, you've just spoken about Helen. Yeah um, I just think that word full-on is just sums it up so much it's like well your, your, your working day normally started at 10 at night didn't it and it's like right who's going to go and get pizza and let's just crack on. Yeah I have a really one of my most vivid memories is um, I, I, I started out in kind of an administrative context in advertising and I was running to work. I used to run to work um, as like, you know, thrifty and exercise at the same time. And it was 6am and I was on the phone to China on my mobile whilst running to work. And I was like, and I look back at it now and that was so normal. I just rationalized that as this is part of what it is to be alive and to do my job in London. And I'm like, I was running to work at 6am on the phone to China. That is not normal. And, but it was treated <laughs> as if it was like, oh yeah, that's just part of your job, isn't it? Exactly. You were basically like the devil wears Prada, except without the clothing. Yeah. I mean, there was clothing, <laughs> just to confirm, Luke was wearing clothing. Yeah, that's not why I had to leave the industry. I wasn't asked to leave. <laughs> um, yeah, good grief. Oh, my God. Uh, there was clothing. It's, it's like being that when I always say it's like Stockholm Syndrome, you just become sort of like, of course, this is normal. And of course, this is. And yes, I'll do anything for you to keep liking me and wanting me to be part of this madness. And sometimes they're a really great highs because it's just so you're all in it together and creating stuff. But other times it's just like, God, this is not healthy. Mm. Uh, I need some perspective, normality. So 
so how did you get some perspective then, Helen? Um, I think I've always been lucky in that, I, I say it now, I got pregnant when I was really young and um, it's, it, it, you, you enter the work. I mean, I got pregnant in my last year of uni and so I've always worked with a child. Um, and it actually, and, and I, I did still work stupid hours. I mean, my first job was for um, a company called Ballantyne Ross. And I remember the editorial girls were kept, we, we were actually in Docklands at home and people used to smoke in the offices and you had the salesmen and the editorial girls. And, you know, it'd work until three o'clock in the morning and, you know, you think nothing of it. And <clears throat> so I've always sort of thought, had that sort of yes I've got a child but I need to work hard and in those days um there wasn't you, you didn't get maternity leave you didn't get all those like you know things have moved on <clears throat> not enough but they have moved on and so it, it kind of always meant that despite the fact that I was pulled into this world of work I had something more important at home um so it always was able to keep me balanced and always able to mean that I you know I don't know how frank I can be I didn't look for you know respite in substance abuse and drinking too much and, and mm. stuff like that and, I, and, I, and I'm grateful for that actually mm. I guess you had that sort of anchor in a absolutely. way absolutely that was keeping you kind of grounded mm. um and I I mean I, I don't really have much I have no experience in the snazzy worlds of which you two are talking about um except I do recall that when Luke and I lived together 10 years ago I did enjoy making the most of any of the benefits that came along i.e the parties um mm. the freebies yeah. I did not say no to them so I can't really speak I guess from my own experience but um it sounds like you're saying that your senses those worlds have evolved Oh yeah. Obviously from when you were first working. Um, how far are we from these spaces being as sort of equal and inclusive as we'd like them to be? Oh, I I think we're still a, a long way away. I think, you know, if I think about my own personal experiences, then yes, it's evolved a lot. But then the things that I had to put up with were ridiculous. You know, I remember when I was having that I was called um, after doing a bit of work for my first job and then they called me um, to see if I could come in for an interview and the baby was what it was only like months old and he was gurgling in the background and I remember the person on the phone to me said well, well what's that noise <laughs> and I lied because I was so scared and I didn't tell them until I got the job that mm. I had a baby and you felt like you had to constantly prove that having a baby isn't going to stop me doing my job and you know Fast forward many years later and, you know, doing these um, diversity and inclusion sessions with people working in those industries. And that same sentiment is still there. So, you know, women aren't being paid the same. I remember, again, in my first job, um, I started, I was the only um, person of colour in the organisation. I was um, degree educated and I found out after working there for almost a year that someone who joined six months after me was being paid a thousand pounds more than me, which, uh, you know, was, mm. and we were doing exactly the same job. You know, we each had two magazines to look after. There was no justification for it other than I was black and she was white. Um, and I, you know, raised it. When I was younger, I was a much more bolshie, so I raised it. They gave me the money and then I left. 
we are still in you know an age where there isn't transparency around pay so that still goes on so so we have moved forward um in the fact that we are aware of it and that we talk about it but i think people still day to day are struggling with it because there are there isn't systemic change to hmm. make it fair to make it transparent yeah yeah and and you kind of i think you've started to uh, explore that a little bit in in what you were just saying but why is this why are you so passionate about this what is it why is it so important to you to to work in this space and to try and bring about change i think um you, and i don't know why you, i mean you know you spend a lot of time at work don't you and work gives you so much it's like it's wonderful because you make great friends um you um like i say you can be in the trenches together and it's this whole wonderful experience but then it can be marred by just stupidity and greed and blindness to the hurt that you do an individual by not treating them the same as everybody else. And um, I don't know that it comes from sort of like, may, maybe it is some of the what I've, I've experienced, but I just, you know, I just think there is enough always for everybody. So I literally cannot understand why people hold on to more than they need or will not give you know what people deserve fairly i've managed people and you know leading teams you just think everyone in here is doing their best for the best intentions so do you know what why make it that if you're not very good at negotiating a salary you get less than someone who isn't as good as you but really is really great and bullshit at negotiating a salary you shouldn't enter the equation they should just get what they you know what they deserve equally so I think those things drive me I can't I can't bear unfairness um and sometimes I think when I was younger <laughs> I wanted to be KAD so I wanted to do sort of more worthy stuff shall we say um and then I went off and I did interiors and I worked on the people newspaper blah, 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 blah. and and I think that the nice thing about doing this is you use your brain and you make a difference and an impact to people. And, and so, you know, it keeps you then like, there's a bit of purpose to what I'm doing. So yeah, that's that's why I like it. Also great people to work with. I, I met Luke. I've expanded my network of contacts. It's been, it's, it's, it's lovely. How, maybe how did you manage this or how do people in general, how do you channel what could turn into, I guess, anger and quite a negative headspace at inequality whether it's you're experiencing it or someone else's how do you channel that to something positive or not getting weighed down by that like negativity yeah it's um <laughs> maybe some people that I live with would say that I don't <laughs> <laughs> um I I have a I think by no, I'm not even going to say that I'm a glass half full because I'm not. I'm a, I'm a realist. I think I've I've learned to be a realist. And again, I think that comes from becoming a mother young and sort of like having to. I always just think it could always be worse. You know, you saw what happened on the news yesterday, and you know, I'm effing and blinding at Boris Johnson's managing to still use this as a reason to knock a country over the head and and mm. you know and say you know we're going to hunt down these gangs it's like you know this was going to happen listening to language where you talk about them as migrants they're people that kind of thing you know and actually so what I'm grateful for is that that doing this work makes me even more aware 
of what that stuff is, is, is going on. And then, and then sort of like thinking about, right, um, it means that I can have conversations with people that I may never normally have met and drop a nugget that changes them. Mm-hmm. And it's a small change, but, you know, the things that me and Luke say to people in those rooms, they do have an impact um, and they do spark a hope. And then my experience, you, you bring a bit of yourself into it and that helps. And then, you know, if I get really angry, I'll just go and kick something or do some yoga. So, you know, <laughs> or I like swear that. a lot. The, the two alternatives there. <laughs> I kick something or I do some yoga. Um, <laughs> and I can empathise with that. Um, I was just imagining, um, soz about it, Luke, another mm. analogy from Holly. But when mm. you said a nugget, I kind of was almost, almost picturing in an office space that, that little nugget they're like oh this is interesting and then you know maybe in another session from somewhere else there's another nugget of something and you could end up following a trail which hopefully leads you to a space where which is a lot more positive overall um so you're kind of taking them people on a trail yeah it's kind of like that um there's always I was writing something yesterday about inclusive leadership and I'm talking about growth mindset and I think that that's and trying to keep a positive spin on it. And, and actually, I think there was a time when, you know, everything that was, that I, you know, you can go down those like rabbit warrens on social media of just thinking the world is such a terrible place. And then you find like little examples of people doing interesting things and you're like, actually, you have to sort of try and look to the light all, as much as you can. Um because I think part of what we've been through with Trump and all of that was the fact that people are more predisposed to following the negative and like tuning into the bads. Mm. Not that, you know, that saying that, that it doesn't exist, it does. But from a personal perspective, I had an awful childhood. So I know what bad looks like. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I always think, do you know, but I'm still standing and I survived that. So it could always be worse. I can pay my bills. I got electricity. You know, I'm. You know, I can. I've, I've been able to raise my child. Um, I've got choices, and so then I think that even when I hear things that are bad, or we're sitting in sessions that are bad, I think, but you know what? I have some freedoms, and I have to be grateful for that. Mm. Um, and maybe that what in the end keeps me sort of grounded. Like I pull on to think, pull yourself out of it. And think about how you can make a change. Not that I'm saying I'm changing the world, but you know. Yeah. I suppose in a in a small sense, we all we all experienced that to a certain extent during the pandemic, mm. when yeah. we were all reminded. But actually, do you know what? We have family, or we have friends, or we have our health, mm. um, or we're stuck at home, but we're in a home that is comfortable. That doesn't always have working Wi-Fi, but, you know, for the most part, has <laughs> Wi-Fi. Um, and, you know, I really hope, I don't know what you guys think, but I really hope that, that some of that sort of positivity or some of that perspective that I think maybe across the board a lot of us gained, I really hope we can take that forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like, I was talking to me and my husband are very, very different people, and we were talking the other day, and I often... Uh, as you probably both know, can kind of wax lyrical about issues or, you know, I can kind of go down that rabbit hole and kind of get very stuck in those places. And and he kind of turned around to me after I had been probably spouting off for about 
well, I dread to think how long I've been talking for. And it was probably quite early in the morning because that's when I tend to be most uh, reflective or philosophical. Sorry to everyone who has to deal with me early in the morning. Um, and he kind of like, well, I don't really, you know, I'm worried that it sounds like you're, you, there's no hope there. Like there's no, like why, you know, you, it sounds like that, that that's devoid of hope, that there's no point in doing anything. And I was like, actually, I think it's the opposite. Like I keep doing what I'm doing because I think the collective ability of humanity is profound. And I think between us, we have so much capacity for hope, for love, for change. Look at the technology that we're using right now. Like, you know, that 10, 15 years ago just didn't exist. Like human beings are smart, literally in the development of technology, but also in the development of empathy. And some of the things that you were talking about, Helen, earlier mm -hmm. are, you know, demonstrations of, of empathy. And I think if we can just channel more of that, just find ways to be more human, not less human, more human, I think there is great hope. So, yeah, I get frustrated and bogged down in, in some of the, the really terrible things that go on right now. And I can definitely offer very long thoughts about my opinions on certain things. Um, but it's not it's not coming from a place of a lack of hope. Otherwise, I wouldn't do the things that I do. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really, I think hope is a really good word. Um, I, I was, I was thinking actually as Holly was asking that um, about that gratitude and everyone, you know, that whole fad that there was for gratitude diaries and that. And, and I, I know people that talk about, you know, I'm starting a gratitude diary and I would watch in their behaviour and think, but you're not actually practising it. And sometimes I think we get so well, I think, well, you know, I've bought the book and I've got the pen. There we go. But actually it is about spending that time thinking, you know, what does it mean? And, and that perspective you talked about, Holly, from the pandemic, because my husband works for the NHS, and he's not on the front, he's out in the community. But I, I remember the first time he called me and told me he was going to see a COVID patient. And, you know, I was in tears. And I think that, you know, where we are today, thinking about that what we all went through and again how different it was for, for individuals but sometimes I think just reflecting on those stories of you know there's there's a there will be a mass of people in this country and around the world who have lost someone and that person died alone unable for them to say goodbye to them mm. pause on that and think on that and then think really what have you got to complain about uh, that the, 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 the you know hard-nosed mother in me is just like seriously um, and 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 I, and I think that you know that that then pulls you up and think you know I I don't have to risk at the moment who knows what what climate change will do thinking right to be safe I need to travel <laughs> across land and get in a dinghy mm -hmm. with my child and risk hypothermia or drowning and so I wish that we and it's like Luke said if we if we that hope if we can change those narratives of how it's good to be alert and have a visceral reaction to, to negative things and then think right so then with when we talk about privilege with my privilege what can I do how can I make a difference what can I and you know it doesn't have to necessarily be that you're signing up to a charity or whatever but you do something nice for your neighbor you interact differently with people and you interact differently with people and you're more open and they'll be more open with you and so, you know that, that shock you get when you smile at someone and they smile back and you're yeah. looking a bit like whoa <laughs> Yeah. Ah, you walk away thinking oh that was nice I should do that more often and then you become a Londoner and you forget but 
it's, it's, it's just, I, I think like the things like that I think will, will make a difference and, and like you said holding on to the fact that we have a capacity to do amazing things and change not just in, in technology but I think that empathy and growth yeah power mm-hmm. to us I don't know if you guys had this when you were at school but I remember one of the mottos they used to make us re- like recite or something in assembly was a smile costs nothing but gives a lot Oh, that is probably the kind of school that you went to. (laughs) (laughs) What can I say? A lovely school. It had a good Ofsted report. Um, But it has stuck with Mm. me. And it's cheesy, but do you know what? It it works. Mm. It's a a good thing. Um, So true. I wanted to ask something, and it's gone. That's fine. Whilst you're pondering that, I'm going to quickly say what I was going to say, which is um, speaking of cheesy mottos. And I was not the first one to bring up yoga. So I'm going to bring them. It's not, I did not do it. So I feel that like I've had a segue in motto and yoga that I did not bring up. This morning when I was doing my yoga practice with a well-known online yoga teacher who everyone knows that I love. Um, I wonder who that could, who be. could it be. Um, she used the phrase gracefully and gratefully. Um, uh, and I'm like, actually, it was about having grace with yourself and being grateful for yourself. But also, I think that can extend into other areas of our lives as well. Like mm. being graceful, you know, I have a tendency to be a bit bullish and to just run head straight in head first into situations without giving it much thought. So, you know, but also being graceful in the way that we move with our bodies and the way that we treat ourselves, but also grateful, like you were saying, Helen, about what we have, being mindful, therefore, of what others don't have, and therefore having gratitude in what we do have. And yeah so that was my little cheesy yoga inspired motto to offer it at that point too i love that and i've written it down so there you go <laughs> did you write mine down as well helen yes i smart. I, I think i think that's great so this is the thing as well that i um sometimes it's like especially with the industries we've worked in it's like you you've got to be cool so you can't you know like cheese i love cheese i was actually as i just i just i just love it i'll sit and like watch firsts with um you know my partner and see something that should you know it will make me cry and I'm grateful that I I still have that softness about me yeah. so yeah. yeah I'm writing those down um do you want to add your own if you've got one of your own we can have a I don't, I don't. no pressure you know come up with something yeah yeah talk amongst yourselves <laughs> Let me think of something. um I was wondering uh, what I kind of maybe a, an open question here is um how how do we, like collectively, when we're passionate about something, um, when particularly for something that we want to change, how do we find that way? What's the most powerful way of talking about it or trying to evoke change? I feel like there's a really fine line. For example, by the tube stations, there's a where I am quite Mm. often there's someone shouting his opinions about you know we're all going to hell etc etc um I'm here for a bit of you know god (laughs) um but not I don't personally feel like that is the best the most powerful impactful way to go about it Mm. um obviously that's to one extreme but you know what is the best way how do we go about that Mm. what do you think Liz Hmm. I think it we can all perhaps not go quite to the extreme of street breaching, but we can all get on our hobby horses about certain things. I think of the times where I have been 
preaching in inverted commas to my family about things that I'm passionate about. And I'm just like, I cannot get into my head while you don't see it my way. And so I can see how the street preacher gets to the point where the street preacher gets to. And I know the one you're talking about because they were there when I came up to your flat the other week. And I, and part of me was like, I'm going to talk to this guy. And I was like, no, I can't be asked. Um, but, uh, I think, so part of it is about acknowledging that we all have the potential in us to end up there, particularly about things that are quite, uh, it, they already have passion within them, like faith. But I also think, so again, that's empathy, I think. But there's also an element of um, how we stop ourselves or perhaps find it more balanced approach. There's another favorite word of ours on this podcast about finding balance is about acknowledging, it is about finding space for genuine connection. And it's when you build genuine relationship with people, that's where true change occurs. So if we're passionate about things and we want to see people also become passionate about those things, yelling at them actually doesn't change them. But walking alongside them and getting to know each other and each other's perspectives and even acknowledging that at the end of it, you might not agree. You might you might walk away still with very different opinions on this. But it's that journey of knowing the other that I think um, keeps things in, helps to keep things in check and acknowledge that the way I see the world is very different to the way others see the world. Uh, but we all live on the same world. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm passionate and I'm driven and I want th- to see things change. But if I'm not journeying with others, then we're not going to see that happen. Mm. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because I, I, I'm, I. I could have had this conversation at a, a different time, like a, a few years ago, and 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 I've just wholeheartedly agreed with that. But I know now that there are certain mindsets that exist at the moment that I don't care if they don't see my point of view. I don't want to be, you know, in any sort of mind space. I know that they can't be changed, and I know that what they hold in their mind is, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> madness and evil is what I would say so so mm-hmm. so 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 there's that and, and and that's a shame because actually what you what you think is that getting a point across actually is never really about getting a point across it is about having a conversation and it is about making that human connection and it is about understanding the nuances and that actually you know things aren't normally black and white that there are you know great areas it's a shame though I think that you know, with the QAnon and all of that, you know, everything. That's, there are certain places where actually you're never going to be able to engage in, in those conversations. And then thinking about what, what Luke said and, you know, the ability to get to that point where, the, you know, the street preacher. Mm-hmm. And then I, 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 I think about uh, debating with my family on Zoom. Now that is a great <laughs> way of realising that um, talking the loudest it doesn't you know people can just meet you and and you have so what I think I learned for that because I I'm someone who likes to rant as well um when I used to work um at the people the team of us that were really close we'd have a rant a day like we go through the paper and then we find something and we just rant for a bit and it's kind of it's joyful actually just ranting about something and getting it off your chest um but that, like you say, that's not really unless you're all like-minded, and that's not healthy. You're not you're not going to convince people of your point of view. And I think the thing that you realise when you're like debating with you know people, your family on Zoom, or I've got one of my sisters who she's so calm when you speak to her that I will be like, I <laughs> and she'll be calm, and I'm like, 
I can never win with you. Um, <laughs> That's the most annoying thing that nothing riles me up more than when someone's really calm and composed. Yeah. I just want to poke them with a stick. Okay. And then they come back with a killer line. Oh, it's like, but why do you think that, Helen? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I realise that it's like, you know, it is, I think Luke might say, it's, you know, it's about that listening. Listen as much as I talk. And I think if you listen as much as you talk when you're trying to have a debate around something, you actually then hear more where the sticking points are. And also maybe where the commonalities are and then you can bring the conversation. But then also, I think, knowing that it's OK to disagree. Um, I know I started this from a point of view. There are some people that I'm quite glad that they will never agree with me and I will never agree with them. But, you know, knowing that it's OK, we can get on and have different views. And actually, I think if you start from that, it makes it easier, isn't it? Because then you don't feel like I have to win. Yeah, it reminds me as well of the um, conversation we have with Andrew um, in our uh, in another episode recently and he was talking about the kind of the problems of when you disembody someone in conversation and that particularly happens in on social media or in spaces like Twitter where it's so easy to just offer your opinion into the void and do it in a really aggressive or loud preachy way you know street preaching but on Twitter uh, and that and that's harmful because it disembodies someone it, it removes the the personhood from it all and I think so often that's where our conversations today end up is that we've removed the personhood of people. Um, and often, you know, the, the kind of the people that we hear in the, in the news who are oppressing the marginalized have done the same. They've, they've removed the personhood of those people and, and used them as, as political, as you were saying earlier, Helen, kind of political bricks to beat their opponent over the head with. Um, and, and that, causes that causes harm to them but it also I think causes harm to all of us to humanity we, we do ourselves a disservice in those moments exactly and really I was just thinking that listening is a skill that we all need to practice mm. and um I, I noticed this you know how many of us will watch something on a screen also have our phone screen with us and maybe then half have a conversation with the person we're watching the big screen with. Mm. Um, I do think we've slightly lost that ability to listen. But what you were saying, Helen, is so true that um, I actually think that if, if, I, if I had a different opinion to someone, but if they really listened to me and if they responded to exactly what I'd said, I... I think that immediately makes that kind of connection and a sense of respect and appreciation. Um, and mm. it isn't, isn't it? When someone remembers something about you, remember something that you said, how powerful that is. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Because I think sometimes we, we're having conversations and what we're doing is, <clears throat> I've thought of my answer. I've got it with the answer. So I'm not listening to what you're saying. I'm just waiting for the time I can give you that answer. Um, and it, it yeah. you can tell the difference, can't you, when someone's actually listened? And it's so it's it's almost like touching. It's like you validating me, like you value me because you've remembered that I said this. And it's yeah, it's a, it is listening is a powerful thing, but it is like you say in this modern day, with all of the distractions. I know my attention span is so much; it's reduced so much. And um, I think Phoebe Lovett is someone who I I I, I follow and I, I love most of. The, everything she writes and that and she did a a, a post on 
you know, the fact that she just couldn't focus. She, through, through lockdown and that, she, she, she was admitting, I literally, I can barely read, you know, to the end of a page at the moment. Um, and, and, and it's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Because you just think, what's wrong with me? Are my eyes are falling or I need to, I, I, I need to look at my phone. Um, but yeah, so it's no, no wonder we can't listen because we're so now, I don't know, we've all got a bit of attention deficit disorder, really. Yeah. Yeah, we're surrounded and distracted by everything all the time. And the the, the desire to, to engage, I guess, a lot of times superficially with things is so present because there's so much stuff to engage with. Um, and as opposed to just focusing in on a few things, we try and focus on everything. And then that ultimately just leads to, well, I can't really focus on anything. Um, yeah. Which I guess kind of leads me in to a question that I wanted to ask today and and I wasn't sure of when it might drop in but it might drop in now and it kind of is a, a gentle lead in around with all that's going on uh, and with all the different you know particularly the work that, that you are doing Helen where is there space to look after ourselves to find I, that phrase self-care is something that I really um, I don't know if I like um uh, it just screams candles really yeah it does you know it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be meditation and candles it can be something else um but you know is that you know is is it easy to find um space to look after yourself and i'm thinking particularly of the phrase that you used when we had our little pre-chat about the year of saying yes um and what does how does that Mm -hmm. into working in a space that is can be draining and can have a personal impact uh, and what does that then look like for, for you personally oh um, I, I mean I, I think I would say I'm very 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 bad at, um you know finding space and time to look after myself um I'm very bad at that but then what I am good at I've got less good at it over lockdown but when I was what I was what I'm very good at is right if I just <laughs> doing things as, as, as a habit like I could do the same thing every day so if I decide right you know what I'm gonna go swimming it then I will be like totally focused on it um I cycle I'm cycling to work well I don't care that it's the only thing that's going to stop me is snow so I'm, I'm quite good at that so for me I think there's been a realization and actually it started a couple of weeks ago where I thought you know what I'm going to get up I'm going to go to bed because I think that's, a, that's the, one of the most important things sleeping um so going to bed at a good time so I get out earlier and go out for a bike ride and I just did that so I, I think in amongst everything when you feel like actually I'm depleted I mean it's been a lot it's been a long year and probably a long year because we thought this year was going to be better it's not 2020 so it's obviously going to be better isn't it but actually somehow it feels that I think obviously in 2020 it was bad but we were all locked in and confined together and now everyone's in different stages of anxiety and doing different things but it's not really normal but you're supposed to pretend like it's normal and I I found that kind of draining and challenging and and I can't find my foot in and I almost don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and who I am weirdly so so then you think right okay with all that going on let me just pick one thing whether it's yoga in the morning whether it's making sure I go for a bike ride whether it's that you know, I'm going to swap out one cup of coffee for a, a herbal tea that I'm making with fresh ginger and mint 
and lemon. So I'm doing that little ritual of cutting them up and, you know, preparing yeah. them a little bit. But that That's what I, I think I get um, joy out of. So it's a small thing that I can identify and then think, like, I'll just repeat that at the same time every day. So I don't have to think about, you know, when will I fit it in? It almost becomes part of my routine. It's just it's something that kind of has been, I think, a loose theme in other conversations that we've had, and things that it's something that I'm very conscious of and try and trying to be more conscious of is questions like what am I saying yes to, but then also yeah. what am I baking into my life to ensure that when I am saying yes to things, I am prepared and grounded and in a good place to deliver. I think that's a really beautiful tip about kind of getting back to basics with it. Um, mm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, and I was just going to say to tie that back into a lot of what we try about gratitude and being graceful mm. and grateful, that, that kind of has that, that, that sort of, it's almost like Japanese ritual um, mm. or that you make your coffee and, you know, you love coffee. So, you know, grinding the beans mm. and deciding on a certain cup and just some way of doing it so that it's not just, it's a pause, isn't it? So you're still moving forward in your busyness, but you're also sort of serene and still and doing something nice for yourself. And and, it, and I, I think doing those small things then reminds you that you don't have to have a lot to be happy. And I think that that's sort of like where, you know, I, yeah, that's where I, I want to go to. It's, it's that reminder that it can be small things that make you happy and that can be enough. So, yeah. And it's also a moment to listen to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Which it's probably the, m- the first person you should be listening to is yourself before you then are ready to listen to others. Yeah. But you never oh. do, do you? You just don't. No. <laughs> we've just wrapped this entire thing up and like, I feel like we've put it in a box and put a bow on top and then put another bow. I think and I, it's just looking fabulous. I, mean, I wasn't going to go with the box and a bow because obviously that's much more your kind of analogous terms. But I was going to say that feels like a really um, like, wholesome uh, way to end the the conversation you know we've we've gone on a bit of a journey through different themes but that feels like a really beautiful way to kind of stop and pause ourselves and maybe take you know a moment to listen about what we're going to do next in our day um this afternoon uh, and not immediately rush into the next thing but to do something that's a bit more present so thank you helen it's been a really wonderful conversation oh my pleasure Oh, thank you so much, Helen. It's been such a joy to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Helen. Well, what's a podcast? I feel like I'm still uh, processing. I feel like a lot of these episodes recently, I come away and have to process it again and again and again. And I don't get tired of listening back to our episodes, particularly when you and I have to get them ready to go out into the world and, and you know, how are we going to position them? And what quotes are we going to use and that kind of thing? I don't get tired listening to them because I have to listen to them again to process all that they've contained. Oh my gosh, totally. And I just, recording this one, um, listeners, we, we record in a way that we can all see each other's faces. Um, and it just made me think, God, I wish that we were recording the visual as well, because the energy that was coming from the screen, not just through the audio, was oh, just fabulous. It was. So, Helen, thank you again. You know, it's it's an absolute delight working with you in, in the kind of IND context that we were talking about. But it's been a real privilege and pleasure to have you on the World of Wellbeing podcast today. And I really hope that the listeners have benefited from it, too. 
Hmm, I hope so too. So all that's left for us to say at this point is to remind you to like and review and subscribe on whichever platform you like to uh, engage with the Worldly Wellbeing podcast and do forward to a friend, encourage them to listen as well. You can also find us on our website, worldlywellbeing.org and on our still relatively new to the world Instagram page, which is at worldlywellbeing. Yeah, like, let's be honest, guys, just friend us, please. Um, we're at the that awkward stage where we just look like we have no friends. Um, so any little, you know, push towards, we're double digits, so that, that's a good start. Um, the, the, the new kid at the school would really appreciate someone coming and sitting at the lunch table with them. So if you could just sort that out, that would be great. Exactly. And do you know what the new kid also wouldn't be opposed to? Sharing of a Kit Kat. Yeah, so go out, go forth and share um, and and spread the joy. So we hope this has been a really beautiful episode for you to listen to. Uh, we've really enjoyed recording it and we will be back next week with a slightly different episode, which we will share as always as our new theme uh, and our new tradition dictates via Instagram at the end of the week. Ooh, so listen out, look out, be there. Peace and love. Uh, gratefully and gracefully. Ciao for now.